Welcome to the Open Communication Podcast, hosted by me, Diane Hapke. I'm a wife, mother, small business owner, fitness and health enthusiast, and like the name says, on this podcast, I am going to openly communicate about all of that and everything in between. It's a lot of fun. Be sure to follow me so you don't miss anything good, and I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for tuning into episode number two. I realized after I recorded this entire episode that I had missed some really important points regarding mindset that I wanted to talk about and things that I've had to overcome and things that have been really important in me for me personally to get through some of the things that I have had to deal with and struggle with in my business. So I highly, highly recommend checking those out there at the very, very end after my end credits and thank yous and all of that. With that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Oh my God. Okay. So I'm back for podcast number two, but my first one was received so well by you guys and I got so many amazing responses by it that I'm nervous now to do another one because how am I going to live up to that? Like, I feel like AWOL Nation, like the one hit wonder with sale and now I'm going to come back with, what's that other song they have on the radio that's Okay. They got a couple of good songs. Anyway, welcome to episode number two. In this episode, I'm really going to dive into my business with you, share my story of how I started it and how we got to where we are now and share a lot of the things that I have learned along the way. I was doing some reading about starting podcasts and I read something that said your podcast, your first three episodes are the pillars of it. And that's pretty much all I read. So I pretty much took it to mean that the first three episodes set the tone for what your podcast is going to be like. And my first episode was on my relationship with my husband and the things that we have been going through and the things that we've learned there. This episode is going to be on my business. I have some plans for my third one, but we'll see. We'll see. That one should be fun. But as I said in the first episode, I don't want to lock myself into one category. So I don't want to only talk business. I don't want to only talk relationships. I don't want to only talk personal growth. Like it's, this is a creative outlet for me. I just want to have some fun, but I also want to share and help with it. So with that being said, episode two, we're going to dive right into my business, my first business. I'm working on growing my second it might be my, eh, it's my second. Basically, I, in 2014, I was finishing my last semester of grad school when I met Seth. And I had been looking for jobs down south, but we kicked things off and he was in the military at the time and he still had three years left here. And, you know, typical girl sticks around for a guy, doesn't follow her dreams. So I'm just kidding. I, after meeting him, I decided that maybe I would stick things out here and see where they went with him. And I was having trouble finding a job with a master's degree in general psychology because that's what I got my master's in, general psychology. I just learned a little bit more about a little bit of everything related to psychology. Nothing specific. I was planning on getting my PhD, but after getting into my psychology program and realizing the amount of research and paper writing and paper reading that went into it, I was very quickly turned off to the idea of doing that for an additional six to seven to eight years for a PhD. So anyway, I have a very pretty expensive piece of paper that does absolutely nothing for me. But 
I knew that I didn't want to go back to waiting tables. I was having a hard time finding a job and I had landed a job at a weight loss center, but it was not what I was hoping it would be. And I just wasn't enjoying it. So I wanted to come up with something else that could support me and my needs and my wants. And that is how Primal got started, kind of. So Primal started as a conversation between me and a couple of my friends. All of us were sort of looking for something else other than what we were already doing. We were looking for a way to pay ourselves to have an additional source of income. And we came up with this idea. I don't know if we actually came up with the concept of meal prepping. Obviously, we didn't. People were doing it before us. But I don't remember if we had seen it somewhere else. We're like, yeah, we should do that here because anyone's doing it. Or if we... I don't really honestly remember that part. But I was 100% down to do it. And we had talked about it probably for a few months before any action was actually taken. And I finally got to the point where I was ready to go and I kept like texting them and emailing them being like, hey, we need to do this and we need to do this and we have to plan this. And I wasn't getting any response back. So I finally was just like, screw it. Like, I'm going to do it. I was sitting at work one day and I made the decision. I was just like, executive decision, I'm doing it. And I bought my LLC. I got an email address. I got my Facebook page. We started as Primal Pre-Made Nutrition. I just remember being at work that day telling the girls that I worked at a weight loss center. And the two girls I work with, I remember telling them like, I'm starting a meal prep company and I'm doing all these things. And I feel like they just thought I was insane. Like, what is this girl doing? She has no idea what she's doing. She's all over the place. I'm still like that, but whatever. So I go ahead and start it on my own because I wasn't waiting anymore. And they, my friends didn't really seem to have much interest in it after that anyway. So it was pretty much me. So we, I started with a sign up sheet at my husband's gym, my then boyfriend at a gym that he was a coach at. He eventually ended up buying the gym and then sold it, but that's his whole own story. But I started with a sign-up sheet at the gym with three menu items. The only one I can remember that we had was spaghetti squash marinara. I don't remember what the other ones were. And people would just write their name down, write what menu item they wanted and how many, and then leave me a check for the total. I would take the money, put it in the bank, and then use that to pay for the food and whatever else was needed to get the meals prepared. I started cooking in my home. Seth and I lived together at the time. He helped me with the cooking. He helped me with the cooking for uh, probably about a year. I think by the time Wyatt came around, he wasn't really in the kitchen anymore. And that was about a year and nine months after I started the company. But he helped me at the beginning with doing most of the cooking, which... I probably would have flopped had he not been helping me cook because I could not cook meat to save my life and I would have been serving people bricks. I still can't cook chicken. Like I still, we have thermometers that tell us when it's done. Um, so he helped me a lot in the kitchen and we started in our late 1800s, early 1900s, old home in Pensacola, Florida that had not been updated. We had, I don't know, maybe like 10 square feet of counter space it was there was no room to really 
move around. We had this busted up stove that we were cooking in. One of the burners was so crooked that I had to use a different potter pan to prop the pan that was on that burner up so that it was laying flat evenly on the stove like it needed to be to cook properly. It was just, it was a mess. And we started with making 40 or 50 meals per week. Our first week, I think we sold like 40 or 50 meals. So imagine cooking in those conditions. We did that for a few weeks. I think by the time we moved out of the house into my first commissary kitchen, we were up to like 60 meals a week. We had to empty out our entire refrigerator every single weekend so that we could fit everything in there. It was a process. So a few weeks after I start this in my house, I'm like, okay, I have to get legit. This is actually taking off. People are actually interested in it. So I found a commissary kitchen in Pensacola that I could rent part-time. I also built my first website. It was terrible. I mean, terrible, but it was a website and the lesson that I built and it worked for its purposes. So we move into the commissary kitchen and I don't, I'm not really... I don't know. I don't, I wasn't at the time treating my business like a business. I was just sort of treating it like a job. And I didn't really think of myself as an entrepreneur or a business owner during this time. And I was just kind of winging it and doing things. And I wasn't really doing a lot to grow my business as a business. I was going out and promoting myself and trying to find new clients, but I wasn't really in that sort of mindset of, hey, this is a business and I'm going to really go out there and push growth for it until I found out I was pregnant. About a year into running Primal, I found out I was pregnant with Wyatt and that was probably the best thing that ever happened for Primal because it really, really kicked my ass into gear. I knew that I couldn't afford one to take a lot of time off when he was born or to shut the entire operation down when he was born if I needed to for any significant amount of time because I just couldn't afford to not have income coming in. I also was scared that if I did have to shut down for any extended amount of time that I would lose all my customers and have to really restart over again. So when I found out I was pregnant, I knew that I had to get my shit together and start treating my business a little bit more like a business. Although at the time I didn't really think of it that way. I was just like, oh my God, I have to like find managers and I have to get some systems in place so that my crew knows what to do when I'm not there and so that I'm comfortable with having them work when I'm not there. So I slowly started, I had a couple people working for me originally at that time, but I knew that I needed to bring a few more people in. I needed to find a manager who could oversee things while I was out. So that was a whole learning process for me. I had severe trust issues that I have finally, for the most part, gotten over because I have an amazing team now. But it's very scary to put your business in someone else's hands for the first time. And I knew that that was going to be a thing for me as I saw myself moving into that space. So I made sure that once I found out I was pregnant, like right after I found out I was pregnant, I almost immediately started looking for people to fit this because I wanted to be sure that I was confident enough in leaving them and that I was comfortable enough in leaving them and that they knew what they were doing. 
So as I brought them in, I started to put some systems in place and I would give them some things to do. And I'm sure I probably micromanaged a little bit, but I tried not to. I really learned to try to let people make mistakes on their own because they're more likely to correct them if they catch themselves in the midst of a mistake rather than me hovering over their shoulder, making sure that they don't make any. So yeah, I I think the whole process of like hiring and getting comfortable with that was, it was definitely a interesting experience, but I ended up with a really good crew and I think we still closed for at least one week while Wyatt was born, maybe two, because I was back to work about two weeks after he was born. So Wyatt comes around and luckily everything went so smooth. I literally worked until the day he came. I was nine months pregnant, running around the kitchen, making deliveries. Um, He shows up and we took a little time off and I'm back in the kitchen two weeks later just grinding. So at this point, we're really, really starting to grow. We had originally started three menu items. I think now we probably have five. We jumped eventually up to seven, and now we have 17. But we are in the same commissary that we started in, and we start growing quite a bit. And this commissary was perfect for our original needs, but we are starting to get to the point where we no longer fit. Like we are outgrowing it. We are at capacity. We don't have any more storage space. We are getting to the point where we're collecting some equipment and it's taking up their space. And I think toes are being stepped on. And so literally a block away, I see a new restaurant being built or this kitchen being built. I don't know quite what it is. Finally, it opens and it was a little like barbecue shop that did stuff during the day, but I wasn't super familiar with it. All I remember thinking was, man, wouldn't it be awesome if something happened and I got that spot because it was right down the road for me. I already, you know, when our deliveries go out, I already know my mapping and times and whatnot. So it made it easy to not have to move to a whole nother side of town and like readjust all that, even though now it wouldn't be an issue because I have figured out the software and whatnot to make mapping. Del- so, so, let me backtrack. I used to map out my deliveries with I first when I started, I didn't even like map them out. I would just kind of plug stuff in and go as I kind of figured so I would be all over the place. It was a mess. And then I would sit there individually add each address into Google and rearrange them until the delivery route looked like it was good. Now I have a software that does all that for me. It was a big learning curve there. Anyway, back to it. So I am like... I look back at it and I'm like, I totally manifested that kitchen into, you know, into being mine. But I was thinking how awesome it would be if we somehow ended up with it. Well, I don't know, probably a few months after they open, the owner comes down to the kitchen that we were working at one Saturday while we're there. And he tells me, hey, we opened this to-go style restaurant, but we don't really work on the weekends. It's only a during the week thing and we close early and, you know, we're not a full, like they have full restaurant equipment, but they weren't a sit down and eat restaurant. So they had a lot of extra space and he was hoping that I could come in and 
rent from him as a commissary, which was perfect. We really needed something that had a little more space for us and had a better layout for us. The place that we were in actually had two buildings that were separated by a parking lot. The parking lot wasn't huge, but we still, we did all of the cooking in one of the buildings and stored everything in the other building. So we had to haul everything back and forth. I also, at this time, we were not able, we hadn't yet set up any services with a produce company. So we were going out and doing all of the shopping every single weekend for everything that we needed. And we were having to bring it back and store it in this facility. And it just, we were just super running out of space. So he comes to me at like the perfect time and we end up moving into his kitchen and it could not have come at a better time because the first week that we were in his kitchen, we had our highest selling week up to date at that point. We did, it was our first $10,000 week. I think we had been sitting at like eight or nine. And so it was crazy. I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. But we had a whole walk-in to store our meals in and we didn't have that before. It was just, so it worked out really well, but we still felt a little cramped. I'm like, man, I just, if this whole kitchen could just be ours, that would be amazing. So not even a month later, he comes to me and he tells me like, hey, my wife is starting her PhD up north somewhere. They're moving halfway across the country and he didn't want to have to worry about this business anymore. Would I be willing to buy his big equipment and uh, to assume his lease? And I was like, yes, 100% yes. Because I, the cost to build out a kitchen is it's up there. I don't know if you've ever looked into it, but it's up there. And he was selling me everything at a fraction of the cost and a kitchen that had already been licensed. Like there was no, it was just, it was perfect. (laughs) You couldn't really ask for a better situation to happen. So that ended up just kind of falling into my lap. Now I look back, I'm like, I manifested that 100%. I dreamed about it and I thought about it every day and I just manifested it. (laughs) But anyway, it just, yeah. So we end up assuming his lease and up to this point i hadn't really i hadn't really had any i had, didn't have any business debt i didn't have any credit cards i didn't have any loans i was all the cash that came in every week was the cash that went back out and there would be a few slow weeks when i wouldn't make anything i would break even but for the most part i pretty much always was making a little bit of money every single week with moving into this space, I had to take out a loan to pay him for all of the equipment. And I actually borrowed that from my parents, which I'm almost done paying back. They're probably like, come on, kid. And But then I also took out credit cards because he left us with the big equipment. So we had a hood, a stove, um, and the walk-ins that we needed. But... We didn't have any of the smaller stuff. We didn't have sheet pans. We didn't have utensils. We didn't have pots. We didn't have pans. We didn't have anything. So I had to buy all of that. And the cash that I had just wasn't it. So this is when I started taking out credit cards. I eventually took out um, a loan. And for a while, I was fine. For a while, we had plenty of cash flow coming in that I could pay everything off. But as we continued to grow and our deliveries started getting really crazy, 
I knew that we needed a better delivery system because we had always been delivering with the drivers coming in their cars. They would take a big cooler, load up a bunch of meals, deliver that batch, and then they would come back, pick up more and do it again. And it just was not working anymore. It wasn't feasible. Plus there were a lot of mistakes happening that way. We were bagging orders at the customer's house and it just wasn't the best system. So I got our first delivery vehicle and I made my very first like huge financial mistake. I have two or at the time I had one American Express business card and I needed the vehicle to be refrigerated, but the refrigeration company only, you know, you have to pay for the whole thing up front and they don't finance. And I didn't know any better. I'm like, we have a ton of cash coming in. No problem. $17,000 refrigeration. Yeah, I can pay that off in one month. No matter how much cash flow you have coming in when you're a small business like that, $17,000 to be paid off in a month is a lot of money. So right there, I think that was, I've talked, if you haven't followed me or if um, you haven't heard any of my story before, I've talked a little bit about the financial trouble that my company got into on my social media pages, but I'll get a little bit more into it. But that was kind of the snowball or the snowflake that really started building that snowball of getting into some financial trouble with my company. So anyway, we have moved in. We've purchased all of our equipment. I've got myself a nice delivery vehicle and we just keep growing and growing and it's amazing. And, but then I feel like we're starting to run out of space again. We have one fairly decently sized walk-in at this point, but it was, we would have to have all of our produce delivered on you know, before we would do our cook. And then we'd essentially have to have that walk-in completely emptied out by the end of the cook so that we could store all of the meals in it. So we had no room to store any extra produce that we had. And our fridge was almost getting to capacity with meals. So we were getting to the point where if we grew any more, we wouldn't be able to fit any more meals in it. We were also really cramped when it came to just plating and general movement and like fluidity around the building. Could we have made it work? Probably. But I'm like, we're growing. We can handle it. Let's, you know, the space next door is available. Let's rent it. So we did. We ended up expanding. We may actually shut that side down once our lease is up over there, but we ended up expanding over there and then some trouble hit. (laughs) So again, spending more money, just spending, spending, spending. I did not know at this time that my profit and loss statement did not reflect the full financial um, health of my company. So when I first started my company, I was doing all of my financial I was keeping up with all of our financial records. I had an Excel sheet. I would go in at the end of every week or every month and just put everything, you know, all of our expenses out. And it was pretty simple and straightforward. I didn't have any loans. I didn't have any credit cards. I didn't have any of that. I didn't have any debt. And so it was essentially what was left on that sheet at the end of the month or the end of the week was what I had in the bank. So when I hired an accountant, as things got more complicated to take over my accounting for me, I didn't realize that there are a lot of things that don't go onto your profit and loss statement. So the loans that I had taken out, those repayments were not showing up on that statement. I think my car payments were not on. There were some other things that I just didn't 
no equipment that we had purchased wasn't showing up on that statement, even though it was showing up on my credit card. So I'm getting these statements back every month thinking, okay, we still have money in the bank. Like we're, we're doing well. I can afford to keep spending this money and buying these things. And then our cash started dwindling. And I'm like, where is all of our cash going? Like I'm showing that I have a profit every month, but I have no money in the bank to pay my credit card bills. So that is, um, that coupled with the fact that we had some really, really explosive growth and then it kind of tapered off and evened out. So I'm spending, expecting to keep growing or to stay at the growth that we had been at when we, one, didn't keep growing and two, not only did we not keep growing, but we actually slowed down a little bit. People have asked why we slowed down and the only thing I can really attribute it to is the just explosion of other companies offering the same thing we offer or similar things that we offer. Also, I am very big on our standards and we make everything by hand and being a smaller local company, it is just really hard for us to compete with the prices of some national companies. So I really, I have racked my brain for years and like for the last like year or so, I'm like, why did we slow down? What's going on? Like, I know our product is top notch. I've tried other companies and I have, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I have legitimately yet to try another company where I'm like, man, we should really be at that level. I have not tried any that have impressed me so much. If you have one, if you've tried one, please send them my way because I love trying new companies because I'm always about upping our game. But anyway, so back to just the general story. I'll get more into the financials in a little bit. Um, We continued growing. We, at one point, decided to change our name. I don't remember if it was before or after the expansion, but our original name and still our legal name is Primal Pre-Made Nutrition. And that is a mouthful. I mean, it's just, it's a lot to say. My employees couldn't remember it. My customers couldn't remember it. We were Primal Paleo. We were Paleo Nutrition. We were all sorts of different names that people could come up with. And that's just not good for your business if people don't know your name. I mean, how are they supposed to recommend you to other people? Plus, just telling people, like, I'd be on the phone with people, like, spell your email address. I'm like, it'd take me 15 minutes to spell out my damn email address. So I decided that it would be in our best interest to change our name, to go with something a little bit shorter and easier to remember, and something that still encompassed the meaning that I wanted it to have. I still wanted primal in the name because I think it's, you know, important to convey what we are offering, even though as I continue to grow personally and with my own nutrition beliefs, I have, I still kind of fall in the paleo primal realm, but I've branched out from that quite a bit. But anyway, so my, one of my chefs at the time came up with, she came to me one day, she's like, how about primal nosh? And I was like, I love it. And I introduced the name to the rest of my team. They hated it. We voted on it. Nobody wanted that as name, but I fell in love with it and I made an executive decision. I was like, ah, this is what we're going with. Sorry, guys. Nosh means to eat enthusiastically, which I want people to do when they eat our food. You know, I want people to not just have food to feed them. I want them to enjoy it and I want it to be good for them. So I thought the name was very fitting. So we changed our name. We rebranded and we just kind of sort of moved into an operation type mode to me. We did, when we 
opened or when we moved into the new kitchen space that was completely ours once we took over that we did open our first grab and go there we have a couple other locations that are not fully our own but we rent space or we have employees at um, inside gyms and we have one in another little market in Pensacola so we have some grab and go open and I have considered on and off opening other stores that are strictly our own but we keep running into the cash flow problem which is slowly being resolved luckily so I think that that is pretty much the end of where we started and how we got to where we are now but I want to talk a little bit about a lot of the lessons I learned I learned and I I want to talk a little bit more about the financial troubles because I think this is so important and I think that there are so many business owners out there who probably don't know a lot of the things that I didn't know and could get in a lot of trouble. So I really started getting in trouble. I took out my credit cards and when I, I say credit cards, I had one. I took out one credit card. I had an American Express business card. If you're familiar with American Express business or if you, you're not, they have to be paid off every single month. So there's no limit on them. For the most part, you can put anything you want on them and there's no interest or anything. I think there's a yearly fee, but there's no interest. You just have to have it paid off every single month. If you don't pay it off, they cut you off. So I have this card and things are going well and I'm putting, you know, everything on it, but we have enough cash coming in because we hadn't really made any big purchases that I'm able to pay it off every month. So I make that first really large purchase and that was the first thing that I was like, "Ooh, that was that was rough because I came up on a credit card payment. And I was like, this just this took a lot of money from our bank account. I don't like the way this is." But I didn't really catch on. Like it I don't know, it didn't click or I just didn't, you know, I thought that we're doing well enough. I can replenish that and we will, I might be low this month, but our sales are high enough that I can bring it back and we'll be okay. Um, but we continued to need more equipment. So when we expanded to the other side, it took, it, it cost $4,000 to put a hole in the wall. We had to buy another walk-in because the one that we had was too small. That was $10,000 and all of these little things that I keep putting onto credit cards or this credit card. And I did take out one loan with the bank. It was, um, uh, I don't know, an operating loan, whatever. Anyway, I took out one loan with them, but that quickly went. It wasn't very large. And I just found myself like with less and less cash. And I hadn't quite real, like I still didn't know about profit and loss and any of, any of that stuff. So then I made some very poor decisions <laughs> instead of trying to either find investors or going for a low interest rate loan, I took out loans with PayPal and Shopify. Shopify almost killed me. Um, If you are not familiar with these loans, they don't have an interest rate. It's a one-time fee, and then they take a percentage of your sales. So I have PayPal taking a percentage of my sales. I have Shopify taking 10% of my sales, and I don't even have 10% profit. I don't know if you're familiar with operating a restaurant, but the profit margins are not that high. So I am drowning at this point. I didn't realize what I had done. I kind of am like starting to see the bigger picture now and seeing where I went wrong and how I was looking at my numbers and what I didn't understand. And, but it's too late. It's like, I have zero cash. I am not able to make the payments I need to make. So I ended up applying for an SBA loan 
And when you hear this story, it's like it hit second, or like when you're watching a movie and a bomb's about to go off and they literally hit it at the second mark. I shit you not, that was exactly what happened with this loan. I had no money in the bank and the loan hit my account the day before payroll was due. Literally the day before it was due. It would have been a tough conversation to have, which leads me into my next. So with that, definitely like know your numbers, please know your numbers. If you don't understand them, find somebody to talk to and explain them to you because I don't ever want anyone to end up where I was because that was very scary. I still, I mean, that loan, I, I mean, I was so far behind in my payments that even with that loan, I ran through it so quickly. And it's just, we're finally, hopefully getting to the point where we need to be. I had to get rid of some people. I had to move back into operating more of my business that I had been out of. But we're getting to the point where we're healthy. And hopefully with everything going on now, we can still manage to stay there. So only time will tell. But fear of bankruptcy is varies. I mean, months awake at night, (laughs) entrepreneur, like welcome to entrepreneurship. You're awake at three o'clock in the morning, just stress the book out anyway. So I learned then building my team. One thing that is, has been, I have found has been really important is communicating with them. And I have, it took me a while. It's really embarrassing to go to people and be like, I completely screwed up financially. And we could possibly, even though we are super successful, like if you look at our sales and you look at the number of customers we have coming in and you look at what we're doing, you'd think that we're super successful. We are on the verge of failing. It's a really like, it's a big ego thing. It's a hard thing to swallow. And it's really also hard to tell other people, but I finally started coming clean with them because I needed their help. There was absolutely no way I could have done it on my own. So I sat down with them and I was like, this is what's happening. This is what I did we have to get costs down. Like we have to get food costs down. We have to get these things in order or we are not going to make it. And they helped. I mean, it's, they've done an amazing job, but I have always been just completely open and honest with them. If I get nervous, I'm like, Hey guys, we got to tighten things back up a little bit. Like things are going on. And then when all of this started with COVID, they had a lot of questions and I just was like, we're going to operate for as long as we can. And we're going to do what we can. And I will keep you guys up to date. Like I will, if I'm ever worried about us, I will not come to you days before I think we're going to have to shut down and tell you, like, I will 100% keep you in the loop. And I have, and I think that they know that and they definitely appreciate that. So, um, some other things, man, one thing that was really, really big for me when I first started my business as a woman, I had a big fear of putting myself out as the owner. So for years, I never really put my face to the business. I didn't really make it super known that I was the owner or the, and that I was the one running the show and I was the one behind the scenes. I had a fear that one, if people knew I was a woman, they wouldn't take my business as seriously. And then two, I had a fear that if they knew who I was, they wouldn't like me and they wouldn't buy from me. If you follow me anywhere at this point, I am out there. I don't care. I will tell you how it is. I've gotten to the point where I'm like, if you don't like me and you don't want to buy my food because you don't agree with my opinions, then whatever. (laughs) Don't buy my food. But I had that fear for a really long time and I finally started getting comfortable with it. And now 
I, I haven't done them in a while, but I was doing live videos all the time. I have written stuff like I've completely put myself out there. And I think that's really important because a lot of business owners don't. They stay behind the scenes, but people want to see that your business isn't just a product. I have struggled with talking to my team. I am an eight on the Enneagram, if you're familiar with that. <laughs> When it comes to conflict, depending on the situation, like if I don't know you, I will conflict you all day. I don't care. When it, like with my husband, I will conflict the weekend, get into it whenever. And I, yeah, I just made conflict you all day. I don't, anyway. But for my team, I had a really hard time telling them what to do or correcting them because I was so worried that if I offended them, they would leave me and I would be stuck all by myself. It was the weirdest thing. It was the weirdest fear. And it's still something that I have to constantly work on and work at. But I, it in some ways has benefited me because I also make sure that if something happens and I do get really angry, I don't talk to them in that state. Um, there have been plenty of times when I've wanted to explode, but I, I don't. Um, but it's also forced me to talk, learn how to talk to them in a way that isn't condescending, that isn't rude. Like I don't ever want my employees to feel like I'm above them. I also think that that's a big thing. So I don't know, just learning how to talk to them and how to stand my ground and be firm. This also got me into a lot of trouble, kind of, I don't want to say got me into a lot of trouble, but I had a team member for a while who just did not fit with my crew and I got complaints for a long time. I was constantly having to have conversations with everybody on my team about people getting along and yada, yada, yada. And I didn't want to believe that it was this one person. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with her. There was nothing, you know, she just, we have, like, if you come into our kitchen, you'll see there are some, we have very particular personalities and we all mesh very well. And she just was on a different level than us and she wasn't she didn't kind of mix with our mentality and it caused a lot of problems and I know you can't just let somebody go because of that I actually really I had to let her go for financial reasons that was the big decider but also I mean it just it got to the point where it was so disruptive with the team and I was getting complaints from everyone so I tried really hard to not get rid of her but eventually it came down to one, the financials, but two, it was just so disruptive that it was starting to cost me time and money. And I was also scared to get rid of her because I was worried she played a pretty big role. I was worried that when I lost her, I would either have to step back into that, which I wasn't ready to do, or that my team just wouldn't be able to manage it or that they would, you know, resent me for giving them more to do. But they just crushed it. I mean, they took on all of her work, dispersed among them with only adding a couple hours to what they were already doing, which also says a lot about about that. But it was it was definitely a tough thing. So another lesson I've learned is one, hire for, hire for your culture. We kind of, we're pretty laid back and none of the roles that I'm really hiring for at this point are anything major. So we really just do working interviews. We say, you come in, you work for a day, we'll pay you. If you fit in, if you like the job, then we'll bring you back. If not, then we'll send you away. So it's kind of how we're running things out. And then to fire, I've had to fire a couple people and I've always had a really hard time with it, even though I knew that they shouldn't be with me. And every single time I knew I should have fired them sooner. So 
Higher slow, fire fast. You're going to hear that, but it is so, so true. Something else that is important to me is operating in every single role of my business. And I don't anymore, and I couldn't anymore. There's just too much. But throughout the process of growing my business, I have been in every single role. I have been the website designer. I have been the marketer. I have been the head chef. I have been the toilet scrubber. I have been the dishwasher. I have been the floor mopper. I have been the potato chopper. Like I've done everything. And even now when we're short, if we lose somebody, if something happens and somebody needs to do a job that's not that great, I will still step up and do it. I don't, I don't like the idea of thinking that I'm too good to do that and be like, I write your paychecks. Like I'm not going to scrub the dishes. You go do that. So we recently lost a dishwasher and I was in the dish pit for like a solid month and it sucked. But my team was so grateful for it too. They were so happy that I did not put them in there. And I think that that is also pretty huge. So if you aren't willing to take a part of every single role of your business, you're going to have a hard time finding a team that really respects you and looks up to you especially if you're like, I'll pay you to do that job, but I'm too good to do it. So I have found that to be really important. I have had to, I think a big thing in business and is learning how to go backwards in order to go forwards. So I've had to step back into roles, like I've already said, because of our financial troubles. So it's kind of a step back for me, but also, I mean, our growth, we, we did go back on our growth a little bit and I'm sure that I'm not the only business this has happened to, you know, this is just, it's life and you will read it. And understanding that it's okay to go backwards and sometimes backwards is actually better. So we have, our sales have decreased slightly from our one really, really explosive year. Not crazy, but more, you know, I was thinking we were gonna keep growing or at least stick to where we were and we didn't. So they've decreased slightly but it's given us an opportunity to really look at things. And if once we get things on track, we are actually going to be way more profitable than I could have ever expected us to be, especially being in the restaurant industry. So even though we've gone backwards, even though I've had to step into these roles and even though we expanded and we might end up shrinking again, like it's all been worth it. It's all been for the benefit of the company. And it's just good to know that that's okay. Like it's completely okay if you have to take a step back to take two steps forward. So I think that that is pretty much all I have. I think I covered it all. I don't know. I like took a bunch of notes. So I was trying to get through them. So I'm sorry if at the end there I was a little bit just kind of, you know, all over the place. But yeah, if I I miss anything or if you have any questions about anything, please, please, please reach out to me and let me know if there's anything that you would like me to discuss further or to dive further into, let me know and I can do it. To wrap things up, if you are not following me on social media, please follow me on Instagram. I'm working on the rest of them, but you can find me on Instagram at diane.hatke. That is D-I-A-N-N-E dot H-A-T-K-E. 
I share my life and my stories and I share lots of good business stuff in my feed. So if you are just looking for some motivation, if you want some business tips, if you are getting started, if you've been in it forever, no matter what you're doing, I am here to help. Thank you again for tuning in and be sure to follow this podcast so that you can stay up to date on all of the podcasts I put out. I'm going to have a lot of fun here and I will see you or talk to you or speak to you back next time. Okay, so after I finished recording my podcast and had it all set and ready to send out to you guys, I realized there were some things that were missing, and there's actually a lot of things that I'm missing, but there's one big component that I really wanted to touch on and that some of you had asked about, and that was maintaining my mindset through just the entire process. Now that I'm moving into the coaching space and like learning how to grow myself there, I'm running into all sorts of other mindset issues that weren't really a problem for me in growing primal. So it's definitely a kind of interesting to see and look at, but I have had plenty of hurdles in terms of growing primal and fears and whatnot that I've had to overcome in order to really push my business to the next level. The first one I did talk about, and this one was pretty big, and it was just a fear of really putting my face to the business. For a long time, I was so afraid of that. Um, When I first started, I really don't remember having any big fears with like being afraid to start the business. It wasn't a business that required any financial, like I didn't have to put any money into it really to start. It was whatever came in was what I put back out. So for me there, I didn't have any huge financial fears because there wasn't a lot that I had to put into it to really get the ball moving. And I don't really remember. I think I was just, I was kind of behind the scenes. I wasn't putting myself out there. I was just putting the business itself out there, if that makes sense. So with hiding my face and hiding myself, I think it made it a little bit easier for me to not have the fears that I'm coming up with now moving into the coaching space of what if I'm not good enough and what if nobody wants to buy from me? Um, it was So it was pretty different there. One thing that I really struggled with for a really long time was this constant guilt and feeling like I was doing a lot of things wrong. Anytime there was an issue with a customer order or anytime something happened and things just didn't go as planned or as they were supposed to, I carried all of the burden for that. And so for a long time, for a few years, I just felt that everything that went wrong was on me and, you know, kind of was, but that, that can be a lot of, that can be a lot to carry. And it was really heavy for me for a while. And when I started to grow my team, I noticed that that lifted. Because I knew that even though I was their leader, if they made mistakes, it wasn't all on me. And I know that kind of sounds, it might sound kind of shitty, but in a weird way, it was like I wasn't placing the blame on them. You know, if a customer emailed and was like, hey, this mistake happened, and I knew it wasn't my fault, I wouldn't be like, oh, well, my employees messed that up. I would still take ownership of it, but it just, I don't know, it was weird. It just felt better to be able to disperse some of that and to know that, I have a company and I have a team and mistakes are going to happen and it's okay. So that at the very beginning was something that I carried for a while that was also pretty heavy and it it was hard, I think, just having this constant just nagging feeling of I screwed up and I screwed up again and and you're going to screw up a lot because you just, you will. My husband works for this 
crazy awesome company that's doing mad things and he talks to me about their mistakes all the time. I'm like, well, if million dollar companies can make mistakes and it's perfectly okay for my tiny little company to mess up from time to time too. And we are nowhere near perfect. And I, I also tried to just, you know, let people know like, Hey, I'm sorry we screwed up, but we're human. Um, but in that one thing that I have found that I really love is with not huge mistakes. Like you make a really big mistake, there can be a problem, but also within your mistakes, you have the opportunity to really gain clients and customers trust and loyalty in how you resolve those. So I've had customers who've had or order errors or other issues come up and just going above and beyond to fix those problems for them has turned them into lifetime customers and they've just been blown away by that. So I think that using mistakes as a way to really um, show your customers what you can do aside from just providing them with a product or service. Of course, if you made a mistake at all, that would be ideal, but I really, I like making people's days even better by overcorrecting and then them just being completely blown away by what they got out of it. Something else that probably is obvious, but was really hard to deal with and took a lot, a lot of mental effort to pull myself out of was the fear of bankruptcy and the just everything like the crushing anxiety and doubt that comes with knowing that your business isn't where it needs to be and there is the chance that it is going to fail and everything that you built is going to come crashing down and all of the people whose lives you are supporting by having them on your payroll you know that's not going to be a thing anymore but living in fear is not how you move past that and once when I first started the SBA process I ran into a few snags there Um, so it ended up taking a little bit longer to get my SBA loan than I was originally told it would, which is why it really came down to the wire. I was pretty hopeful about it at first, but as the weeks passed and the process just got more and more tedious, I got more and more nervous and I got to a point where I just, I was in a pretty dark place. Like I didn't have, there was no, nothing positive to me. And I was just living in a constant state of fear and anxiety and I was waking up every single night just nauseous and so overcoming that and getting to a point where you know once that loan hit I was like I have to snap out of this I have the money it's here I need to get refocused I need to readjust my attitude and my mindset because I cannot stay in this place and help my business get to where it needs to be to get healthy again so that was something that I recognized and luckily Literally right before I started the whole loan process, I had gone to a Tony Robbins event where he talked. I mean, his big thing is the majority of running a business is psychology and it's the ability to be able to pull yourself out of those dark places. It's the ability to get your energy up when it needs to be up, even if you don't want to, even if you are exhausted, even if you just feel like you have given every last ounce that you have as a business owner, you don't have an option. If you want to keep things going, sometimes you have to pull yourself out of that place. Sometimes you have to just push a little bit harder. So I think those were some of the really big mindset pieces for me. And definitely other little things have come up here and there. And as I think of them, I might share them in future podcasts, but I wanted to touch on those for you. Once again, thank you for listening and I will see you back next time.